With temperatures dropping, homeless people are turning to trains and airports like O'Hare to sleep and to stay warm. In fact, the number of people who are staying at O'Hare has been rising for the past couple of years. And that's according to the Haymarket Center, a group that does outreach and tracks the unhoused population. So why are some people opting to sleep at the airport instead of, say, a city shelter? And what does this trend tell us about access to housing in our area? On the phone with us is Don Washington, Executive Director of the Chicago Housing Initiative. Great to have you, Don. Hey, good to hear you. Also, Ali Simmons, Outreach and Caseworker with the Law Project of the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless. Thanks for being with us, Ali. No problem. Thank you for having me. And Tom Gordon, Vice President of the Chicago Union of the Homeless. Thanks, Tom. You're welcome. I'll start with you, Ali. The the last few times that I have flown through O'Hare, I have actually seen more folks sleeping in the hallways and by the baggage claim area. Does it seem like that to you? Are you seeing more people using O'Hare for this temporary shelter? Uh, me personally, I haven't been to O'Hare, but I definitely have been, you know, informed by, you know, certain individuals who are living on the street that there are a lot of people trying to get to O'Hare, you know, because they feel like it's safer, it's warmer, things along those lines. Interesting. Tom, why are transit centers like O'Hare or CTA trains, why are they so appealing as opposed to a shelter? A lot of people think it's more safer to sleep at O'Hare or on the train than in the shelter. A lot of people won't go to shelters. You got bugs, bed bugs and stuff like that. People don't want that. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Don? Well, I think that we need to understand that um, the way that the way that our, our system is set up right now, homelessness, this is a policy choice that our city and that our federal government is making. There's not enough investment in the infrastructure to actually have enough beds to house everybody. And the beds that they do have, there's not a public commitment to making those places safe, clean, and able to accommodate things like, you know, I've got a six, if you have a 16 year old son, you might not be able to stay in a certain homeless shelter. If you have a pet, you may not be able to stay in a certain homeless shelter. If you have substance abuse issues or if you have um, disability, you might not be able to stay in certain homeless shelters. This is a public policy problem, and we've been trying to depend on charity and um, private-public partnerships to solve it, and that's just not going to cut it. It's clear. It's a policy choice. So, So sticking with you for a moment, Don, when you hear these stories about people needing to use airports as temporary housing. What goes through your mind as someone who is actively working on expanding low-cost housing? Well, again, and I, I, this is one of those where I'm going to sound like a, I'm stuck on repeat. What this really comes down to is that these folks, we act like they're choosing to live in the airport because, like, hey, that's a really great option for me. They're choosing to live in an airport and when I say live, I'm not even, I don't mean live. They're choosing to bunk in the airport because of all the other spaces they could be in, that is the most optimal choice for them. That tells us that we have failed them as a society. Yeah. Ali, do any of the people that you work with make use of transit as a means of shelter? Uh, some of them, yes, definitely. So, so and, in those cases, you know, what's, what's the protocol for, for serving them? Um, we basically meet them where we're at, I mean, where they are at. If they are, you know, like somewhere near train, you know, things of that nature, then we do it, you know, we go out and do outreach, 
try to access, you know, whatever area they are in, especially, you know, if, you know, we are out there trying to get people off the street uh, by offering them shelter placements in conjunction with DFSS. But even that sometimes is not even an option because shelter beds kind of like fill up real fast and then they have to worry about whether or not, you know, one is going to come open within, you know, a specific amount of time. So a lot of them, they just, you know, just don't even want to even deal with it. Yeah. What's what's the response when you do offer shelter to them? Do Do any just maybe flat out tell you no? Yes, all the time, pretty much. And, you know, they have their reasons. Uh, they Some of them feel like shelters are dead end. They go to shelters and they just end up there forever. And when they do leave the shelter, no progress has been made. I've encountered, you know, folks who have been sexually assaulted in shelters, people who have been, you know, physically assaulted in shelters, uh, you know, families that, you know, don't want to be split up. So they choose to live on the street because, you know, they don't have a lot of family shelters or, you know, in the family shelter, there might not be room. So there's nowhere for them to go. So it's various reasons. Tom, can you speak at all to the uh, interactions between O'Hare staff and the people who may be sleeping or or resting there? What's that dynamic like? Well, it's a lot. If I had to sleep at O'Hare, I would. It would be safer than sleeping elsewhere. I would do it in a heartbeat. Has the staff responded in any way? Well, I haven't seen any of the staff. I haven't been to O'Hare, but my opinion, I wouldn't have a problem with the staff. I get along with everybody. Yeah. Don, are you hearing any stories there about any sort of confrontation between staff and, and homeless people who are hanging around overnight? So, no, I'm not hearing any stories, but I, I think the thing that, because this is one of those things where we've been missing the plot thread here. Yeah. When we're talking about homeless folks and we're talking about homeless folks that are trying to get to O'Hare or sleeping on public transportation to stay warm, what we're really saying is, and I want you just to imagine, what does it take, what would it take for you to go from being um, a host at WBEV to being homeless? What would it take? It would take some missed paychecks. Right, some missed paychecks, but Mm -hmm. also, besides missed paychecks, don't you have like a network of people that you can also fall back on that would look out for you? That's correct, yeah. So every time you see a homeless person, this is a person that has fallen through not just paychecks, but relationships, yeah. right? Their their private network of relationships has failed them. And we're supposed to have a public um, common wheel to look out for folks who have fallen through all of their private networks. All homelessness is is a commentary on how we we as a society are not interested in helping these people. There are policy choices that we could make to house some folks. But we, as a city and as a nation, are just not making them. What what does some of those policies look like to you to better serve these people? (laughs) So, one, we could actually fully fund public housing in the city of Chicago because it's supposed to exist for people that no market can possibly meet. So when I say fully fund, we want to get rid of the Fair Cloth Act, um, which is a 
federal law that makes it impossible to build just purely public housing. Two, we want to demarketize public housing. We have to make it so that um, it is no longer about the business of finding some way to turn a profit. It's never meant to be a profit-making endeavor. As long as you treat housing like, an, like a commodity and an investment, we can guarantee that there are going to be some people that are going to be on the streets. Right now, our system is hardwired to put people on the streets. Yeah. Those are two really simple things we could do, but we're not. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just joining us, we're talking about the increase in the number of homeless people seeking shelter in places like O'Hare and on CTA trains. With me is Don Washington of the Chicago Housing Initiative, Ali Simmons with the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless, and Tom Gordon of the Chicago Union for the Homeless. Just sticking here with with you, Don, uh, talk more about what the Chicago Housing Initiative wants to see the city do here, making housing more accessible. Well, not just more accessible. Let's be really clear. We have all sorts of examples. Um, you know what? Let me let me reset. Let me reset myself. No pun intended. <laughs> um, so CHA, it is the steward of a lot of a fort of um, private land, right? It's public land. I'm sorry. They're the steward of a bunch of public land, and they have not used that resource to build new housing. I mean, that's that's a straightforward, simple thing, right? They have a lot of affordable housing. We see things like they have decided they're going to um, use the Obla complex, which should be used for all low-income public housing, to instead build a mix of affordable income housing plus um, a soccer stadium, or not a stadium, a soccer practice facility. In no way does building that facility or building mixed-income housing as opposed to just purely public housing or low-income housing possibly meet the needs of people who are outside of markets who have fallen through their private relationships. Mm-hmm. So one way to look at the OBLA deal going on with the fire and one way to look at like mixed when you see affordable mixed-income housing Every person who is not low-income living in those places is displacing somebody else who has no private capacity to get in the housing. Tom, from... from, from, I'm sorry, that's just one way to look at it. Yeah, I appreciate that perspective. Uh, From your point of view, though, Tom, as an advocate for the unhoused, what do you see as the short-term approach to housing? And what would you like to see change in the long run as well? In the long run, I'd like to see more housing. Housing and jobs is what we need. When they shut the city down for two years, a lot of people lost their jobs. That's why a lot of people are going on the street. They're getting evicted. They have no way to pay their rent. We need more jobs. We need more housing. Ali, should should transit hubs like O'Hare, should they maybe adapt to the fact that inevitably, at least now, in the short term, people are going to use them as temporary shelter? Well, in terms of, okay, hearing your question, okay, in terms of the CTA, I think there should be some type of, you know, support for individuals who are unhoused and are, you know, forced to, you know, use the trains and O'Hare as shelter. But I don't think that, you know, we should you know, become too comfortable with that. 
I think there instead should be, you know, more of a push toward, you know, creating more affordable housing, uh, offering individuals who are unhoused, you know, services that could, you know, kind of help facilitate them, you know, getting housed on a permanent basis. You know, I don't, I don't think that there's any value in a policy or a position that allows people to continue to just go through this trauma on a daily basis without trying to at least come up with some type of solution for it. Mm-hmm. And the the solution is simple. You know, you just have to, you know, have to have the will to go about doing it. And, you know, there's been a campaign, you know, that's you know, been that, di- you know, directed at creating a solution for Chicago home. You know, it, offers a pathway forward, you know, to address this by creating a, a, a dedicated revenue to address homelessness. But unfortunately, you know, it's not appealing to, you know, everybody. So yeah. there's been a struggle with even getting that, you know, in place. Tom, if anyone's listening right now who is experiencing homelessness, what are some first steps that they can take? Uh, basically, uh, get a hold of a tent. Uh, you can get a propane heater, gas. Either that or they can contact me and I'll see what I can do to help them. How do they reach you? Uh, I'm in Uptown. They can find me in Uptown. They can find me in Rogers Park. Don, I'll, I'll give the last word to you. I mean, Tom said it earlier, we, we need housing we need jobs. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, something else that occurs to me, um, and this this whole segment, there's one fascinating thing that occurs to me. What's so that? we have homeless folks that are using the CTA to stay warm, and they're trying to end up at O'Hare so they can bunk. Um, and this, because of who they are, there is no... I haven't heard one alder person, I haven't heard the mayor, anyone, talk about what sort of services they can bring to them, which just goes to show us that these folks are outside of having any sort of worth or value that they can be mined for through any kind of programmatic approach. And the horrifying thing that this should tell all of us is that the city of Chicago has abandoned these people and the feds have abandoned them. And unless we want to commit to using the land that we have to build more low-income public housing for people, we're just going to keep displacing people into a system where they have no relationships and at the mercy of not just the weather, but the least charitable person. We'll have to leave it there. Don Washington is executive director for the Chicago Housing Initiative. Tom Gordon is vice president of the Chicago Union of the Homeless. And Ali Simmons, outreach and caseworker for the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless. Thank you all.